I'm Kate Hills and I'm on a one-woman mission to save UK manufacturing. Welcome to my podcast where I invite you to join me each week as I shine a light on some of the very best British-made brands and UK manufacturers and offer advice to those that want to make in the UK. But before we get on to today's episode, I just want to tell you about an event that I've got coming up. If you're interested in discovering UK manufacturers and British-made brands from the fashion, textiles and homeware sectors, you should definitely come to our trade show, Make It British Live. Taking place on the 29th and 30th of May 2019 at the Business Design Centre in London, we've got over 200 exhibitors inspiring talks just like the ones on this podcast and it's the perfect place to network with others that want to see UK manufacturing thrive. Registration is now open and if you go to mib.live forward slash podcast VIP I've got a special something for you when you register. I hope to see you there and now let's get on with the show. Welcome to episode 47 of the Make It British podcast. Now, if you've ever been to one of our Make It British live trade shows and you saw a tall, bald-headed chap in a sequin Union Jack suit, that is who I'm interviewing on the podcast today. Now, I wouldn't normally call someone bald, but Martin Lowe of Roy Lowe & Sons actually describes himself as the bald-headed sock seller. Now, I think calling himself a sock seller does himself a massive injustice because he's much more than that. He's a sock manufacturer based in Nottingham, part of a family business that has been making socks for decades. And in this interview, Martin talks about how they've reshored the sock manufacturing back to the UK and some of the innovations that he's bringing into the business. He's also got some fantastic points to make about sustainability and how buying better quality products, including better quality socks, is so important these days. I hope you enjoy this interview. Martin, thank you very much for joining me today. That's okay. That's okay. Um, You are actually my first sock manufacturer on the podcast. Well, you are the bald-headed sock seller. Stella. Yeah, exactly. I love that title. Um, do you want to, though, tell everyone um, exactly what it is you do? Because you don't just sell socks, do you? You're, you're much more special than that. Do you want to tell yeah. everyone what your business is? Yeah, we're does? sort of we're a, a company that does specialise in socks. Um, our business partner, which is also my brother, Tim, is a sock machine mechanic by trade. Uh, we were trained in two different ways obviously my dad had two sons uh timber stone into obviously the uh production side of it and me being just a, a gob on legs was thrown into the sales side of it uh we then f- uh, worked for my dad for around 15 years and formed royal owen sons when dad passed away in 95 we commenced work in 96 used dad's name because he was 50 years in the industry uh to form royal owen sons and it's been a roller coaster of a ride since then, really. Brilliant. So, when your dad had the business, that would have obviously been in the heyday of UK manufacturing, and he he did big volumes on socks, didn't he? What what sort of quantities were we talking about back then? Uh, 
dad was producing around 32, 34,000 dozen a week. Wow. And that was in the days when it was back in dozens as well. Yes. Because we used to do that at MS. We bought everything in yes. dozens. Everything was dozens in those days. And then when we, we commenced in 96, we actually took our capacity up to just over 640,000 pairs a week. Wow. Which is about 46,000 dozen, if my maths is right, 47,000 dozen. Yeah, yeah. That's a lot of socks. Yeah, we'd actually automated it all or automated a lot of the production. So just compared to the old fella's business, Dad was doing 32,000 dozen a week with uh, 420 people. We'd managed to do, like I say, about 46, 47,000 dozen with 180 people. So that's a lot more socks per person, if yeah, my math is we right. Couldn't, we couldn't make it pay against the proverbial $20 a month being out in China. Yeah. So we ceased manufacturing in 2006. And then as our the next generation started looking for jobs, I'll say it that way, uh, it, and Tim and myself were talking about five years, six years ago, at home saying, oh, we can just see a bit of manufacturing return to this country in a small way. And started off with my son and said, well, if you're thinking of starting manufacturing again, I'll come in and work with you. So you'd go in, in, the, the, in the period in between that, you had been manufacturing we just your imported. socks overseas. We just imported. Yeah. yeah. We just became, as everybody else does, has done in textiles or the big places, it's just gone as imported from Turkey, India, China. And who were your main clients back then? We deal with, with I've always really dealt with, we're traditionally contract manufacturers, so we've dealt with M&S, uh, Tesco, Asda, Sainsbury's, Primark, Next, M&Co, Mothercare. I did Woolies in its day. I did BHS in its day. Uh, you name on the high street that bought volume. We buy Matalan. I'm just trying to think who we've not missed out. I'm, trying to, I'm sure there's some I've missed off. And now we do things like ASOS now. And then uh, with my son in and also my niece on the design side, we decided to look at our own range. So we launched two ranges called Sock Mine and Roy's Boys, which are predominantly online retailers. And when you um, when you decided to bridging, bring the production back to the UK, you still kept some of the business overseas, didn't you? Yes, we did. How did your clients feel about the fact that you would actually start making them in the UK again? like the big boys that you've just mentioned. Loads of very what? positive about it. And, well, if they are caught short, we'll hmm. use it. Uh, the challenge is to get them to regularly use it rather than just being proverbially caught short of work. And is that what you're still, you're yeah, still finding that's happening the price, then, are you? Yeah, it's that price difference. I mean, the interesting thing in the market now is the fact that obviously – since the stock market crash and everything else, or even the big boys don't have the cash facilities that they used to have. So actually yeah. placing, you know, work 26, 30 weeks in advance and commitment and contract, everything else is not as easy for them as it used to be. Yeah. So, so how do you lot, overcome that? Well, that's where you, your balance of, you know, quick response and everything else comes into. But of course you get a lot of them that, as I call it, they do the sort of spreadsheet buy, or should I say intake margin buy. Yeah. So they can look at the margin and say, 
it's 50 pounds selling for two quid, I'm making X margin as against being, and then if it doesn't sell whatever, there's no exit margin. They don't make exactly. any money. The money in the bank is the one you want to, and there's not an intake margin. Yeah. And, one and of, I'm sorry, carry on. And, I, and there's not many of them with a the formula that actually analyzes exit margins, not just intake margins. Are there any are there any retailers yet that are properly analysing exit margins? I don't think there are. No, I don't. I don't think there are. Katie, okay, if I'm honest, then. But no. Monitor are starting to be aware that they need money in the till more than they used to. That's the only way I can say it's a positive of closer and closer to home. And I've yeah. seen a lot, you know, in our game as well, not just socks but also other is sort of Turkey more local source stuff so turkey being a lot more local than say china is a lot more prevalent than it was to me two or three years ago but then you get issues in turkey that turkey's got its own problems with politics like we have yeah and there's going to be all sorts of exchange rate and duties and everything else going on aren't there after brexit if that ever happens yeah one thing i remember that you said to me when i came to visit you though was one of the advantages and where you'd really capitalized was on producing products seasonal products for christmas for instance or character products where the big retailers suddenly wanted bart simpson socks or something i mean that might not be the right characters but you were able to capitalize on that because otherwise if they'd have been just ordering from the far east they would have run out of those those, yes. those styles that are most which, in demand. Which, which, which is still very prevalent for us and still a lot of what we do. But obviously, in any production unit, you want to produce X per week over 48 weeks. And obviously, socks being very uh, second half of the season dependent, you've got to make sure mm. you're busy Jan through to May before you start then being busy, if you know what I mean. And obviously, yeah. you make your money on the first four months of the year, not in the last seven. And when it comes to making socks as well, do you want to sort of talk people through the process? Because I think sometimes people don't understand how, why you have to have quite big order quantities for socks. So it's quite a laborious process, isn't it, setting up the machines? It is. I mean, you've got a, a knitter who works closer with the mechanic. The knitters tend to do three shifts. Mechanic obviously normally does normal days or depending on how the machines are running. But they're running between them 30 machines. Each machine yep. being new, twenty or thousand pounds. So you've got Gosh. a big capital investment just to start a, a plant up. Uh, each sock machine is obviously computer controlled, but the actual changing from one design to another normally takes around half an hour to forty-five minutes. Obviously, in a knitter's working eight hours, you can therefore only change really because he's got a lot of other jobs to do. Perhaps four or five machines per shift. Each shift, yeah. you should really produce around 150 to 200 pairs per shift. Hence why the math that makes it that you need a minimum of around about a 1,000 dozen to keep your knitter efficient, to keep the other machines efficient, not just the ones you're changing. Yeah, yeah. And when it comes to automation, and you said now you use less people than yeah. you did before, what, what have... What has been the automation and the kind of innovations and the technology that has come in in socks man- sock manufacturing since your dad was in the business? Obviously, one, one thing is obviously the, the computer-controlled design element, and obviously mm-hmm. in each stitch in the sock is individually controlled, whereas it used to be a lot of repeat patterns because it was obviously what they used to call a, a pin and drum mechanism. And obviously once the drum had uh, 
gone through a full circle, it repeats the pattern again. And that full circle on a jump would have perhaps been 48 courses or 24 courses or 96 courses on the socks. So you've got to repeat pattern, which is where your classic argyles and things used to work. And now you're individualizing the stitch. So you can actually, each stitch can do its own unique thing, uh, which that came in oh, 20 plus years ago. Then of course, in fact, probably 30 years ago. And then 20 years ago, when we set up on our own, we were the first people in uh, Europe to have what they call a automatic toe close, which is basically a uh, linked toe seam on the actual machine rather than taking it off and doing an overlock toe seam. So All being done by hand, because some places are still linking toes by hand, aren't they? Yes, they do. Yes, they do. But ours is as, as accurate as linking by hand, because obviously it is stitch for stitch, because the yeah. machine controls it by stitch. So it's stitch, to, stitch for stitch, and then it just sews itself together while the next stock is being uh, produced. So with all this automation, surely then that makes you just as efficient as the factories in China or Turkey or wherever else. So the, so the, the disparity between the cost of making overseas versus the UK must become becoming much smaller when it comes to something like socks. Apart from we get minimum wage that keeps going up and up and up, which is fine, mm. but... It's a level playing field. You've got to be level on every area. And obviously, if people can uh, pay a lot less money. So if you're still in China, it's still a lot less per monthly wage as against the UK. Yeah. I mean, you look at the UK compared to, say, Turkey, which are all supposed to be in the EEC. You know, the minimum wage in, so in, in Portugal, the minimum wage in Portugal is around 500 euros a month. The minimum wage in Spain is around 750 euros a month. And then we're on £8.71. Yeah, it's just gone up, hasn't it? Yeah. yeah. So you've still got a disparity of wage, which is fine. People need to earn money and you pay, but obviously you, you're trying to balance that out. And that's a lot of the things where people look in the EEC. It's not quite as balanced as people think it should be. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how are you then um, sort of overcoming that? Obviously, it's things like speed of response, but also I notice you're doing some quite innovative things at the moment, aren't you? Are you allowed to mention the range that you're doing for the National Gallery with all of the yeah, artists' we're doing, yeah, prints we're doing, on? Yes. We, it, it's trying to look at uh, the market and see if you can not just be mass market, but also bring other things into mass market. So if like everybody will have a Disney or have a Warner Brothers or a Marvel because obviously they're very good at supplying and putting that on every single product, but it's then looking at the innovation. Uh, we've got quite a few exciting things happening for Father's Day. One is like mentioned the National Gallery, where we you can actually now buy a National Gallery pair of designed socks in its own frame. So you can actually hang a pair of socks with uh, Van Gogh's sunflower on, on the on the design on the pair of socks in a framed picture so you can hang on your wall. Brilliant. So they'll be selling those in the National Gallery shop, will they? Yes, they will. Well, yes. I'll put a picture of those in the show notes for the podcast as well. Okay. We've just, I've just signed Lowry as well to keep it British. You just signed Lowry. Yeah. <laughs> he's been dead a while though, hasn't he? He's been dead a while, but his signature's still good. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh, cool. Will you be bringing some of those to the event? Yes, I will. The other one we're doing um, is, uh, like for Father's Day, we're going to do uh, buy your dad a beer. So yeah. I've got a of, I'm going to launch a range of beer socks. So, for example, we'll have uh, from Beck's, Budweiser, Bass, Boddington's to 
old speckled hen to IPA that you can put a range of beers together for your father for Father's Day. Brilliant. So will they go be going under your Roy's boys under your own brand yes. socks? Yes, they'll be yeah. online. The beauty about it is, is obviously having a warehouse rather than having a retail space, the difference is you can do as many options and as many permutations as you like. So if, for example, you want to buy your dad four beers, and if I put them together, I might put a two becks and two bodies, you might want to say actually drinks uh, Bonnington's and also IPA. So you can actually select and make it more individualised. Oh, wow. So you select a pack of socks based on what would be your equivalent yeah. favourite beer brands. Yeah. Beer and then we also do... The about, Doing wine do for father, the ladies, Martin. Uh, well, it's, <laughs> this is for Father's Day. Right, okay. And also we Brilliant. did last year, we did uh, one of the children's characters now where we do the children's sizes with the character on and an equivalent sock for your father with the same design on. So if you're watching, for example, Hey Dougie on the TV and you get a Hey Dougie sock with on the kid's size, you've got equivalent sock for the parents with the same design on. So you've got a full family range of socks. And obviously that can be individualised because obviously kids have different sizes, adults have different sizes. So again, we can in- individualise that pack for, the, you know, for the, each family. So you've then got staff to pick and pack those and put all those together? Yes. Yeah. yeah. But that's great, though, because that means you're doing something that's much more customised and bespoke, which you wouldn't be able to do if you were importing those socks from overseas. Well, if you did, you'd be sitting on a whole lot of stock. Yeah, and obviously you can't do that quite as much as you can, you know, from a retailer's perspective. The the permutations and and getting that together is a bit more problematic for Tesco's or Sainsbury's or any of the supermarkets or High Street or Next to do in their space they've got in limited space at retail. So it gives you your point of difference for what you do for your own brand. Yeah, yeah. And then we do things, obviously, the same thing, but obviously the two big, as we say, is Father's Day and Christmas. And again, you just go to the normal designs and we'll say, okay, here's a range of 20 designs. You pick your own designs, make your own pack up. So you get 20 designs or 30 designs online. You can select three, put them together in a pack, send them to whoever you like. And we package it up in uh, in bespoke packaging and it's also a gift, gift box as well. And you said your daughter-in-law is designing those, is she? Did you say it's, it's part of one of the family? Niece. Your it's niece. Tim's, uh, Tim, my brother's oldest daughter. Because you've now got, how many generations did I see that? That's um, off their generation, your, yeah. But, yes. And I've just became a granddad. And, uh, Congratulations. Thank you. I know I'm not old enough, I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, Monty came up to see us because my oldest daughter lives down in Essex. Is, so officially we've got an Essex boy in the uh, in the team now. Nothing wrong um, with Essex, Martin. You know that's what? where I'm from, don't you? So watch it. I wonder it. why you to pick up on that. <laughs> and, uh, Brilliant. Monty, Monty came up to see us and uh, obviously I took him around the factory and uh, he already filled his application for me. Brilliant. So there's going to be a line of baby socks coming out soon as well then? Yes, <laughs> of course. Do you do baby socks? Uh, we. It's a different... Socks is based it's on gauge machines and diameters, yeah. and obviously a baby sock is basically a three-inch. We don't make them here yet because machine makes a lot, and obviously they rapidly grow out of sizes at that first six months. As I'm finding and they out lose the things, things and, don't they? Because yes. they flipping kick them off. You can never keep hold of baby socks. <laughs> there's, there's something out there now, which uh, my, my daughter Gemma has just had Monty. They've, there's like a sock shape. Not we don't do is fabric that you stick on on the outside of the sock that helps them keep the socks on. 
which I thought oh, was quite, okay. quite a novel idea and I can't understand why we didn't think of it. But you have done something else pretty cool, though, haven't you, on your running socks? Yeah, an older range on uh, You've got that special mine. sole, yeah. yeah. Do you want to tell, tell everyone about that? We've painted a sock that actually sticks to your feet. So it uses silicon, which is like on a lady's hold-up, and it actually is inlaid in the fabric, which obviously we've, we've patented as ourselves, and it sticks to the foot. So each piece, part of the fabric sticks to the its corresponding piece of the foot. So when you are running, for example, when you put your foot down, the sock stays with the foot and the friction is then between the outside of the fabric and the shoe. So walkers or runners uh, don't get blisters. Uh, it was one that we designed, Ben, which is my son who works with me, uh, two years ago, actually ran six marathons in six days. Did he? Nutter. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, yeah. I don't. You didn't Finished go off. with him then? I was a support vehicle. Well, oh, that's good. Very, well, very I worthy I did course. Well, I did actually six different bags of sweets in six days, and I thought that was a, quite a good effort. <laughs> Brilliant. But Gosh, so he knows what a blister blisters. is yes. if he's done six marathons in six days. Yes, and obviously wearing those, he didn't get blisters. Did he not? Amazing. No. no. So but they do work. So innovation then um, is obviously a big thing um, yeah, for I think you the, I, I and think for the, growing the business going forward. Yeah, the leading edge we've got, we've got a, a very, very committed team of 40 people here from, and everybody's as important as everybody else. So, you know, anybody that comes in and works here, we like to, you know, because it's 40 people, you know, who's who, what's what, about their family and everything else. And people, you know, I do exhibitions, I get back, the ladies that pack the socks, quiz me as much as the knitters quiz me about how's it going what's selling what's not selling and it's everybody's committed because everybody we all you know everybody needs a job yeah and everybody and likes I'm... what they do and everybody's committed in it and wants to be part of what's going forward because obviously you know we're used to being what we're in and this this probably the problematic thing we've got now which i think is textiles in general or the uk textiles is actually encouraging young younger people to actually come in and be there you know, choice of trade. Yeah, that's and so the younger true. generation coming in is the difficult aspect of it because all they see is they want to be a gamer, they want to be in computers, and not everybody can do that. So how are you attracting them into your business, apart from encouraging all of your extended family to have more kids? It, it, it's okay. <laughs> you know, for example, uh, our sample mechanic uh, is two children working the business. So it's actually Brilliant. because it's, it's, you know, we know the trade and people know the trade is, is almost passing itself down, which is very, very good. But we still could do with more people who want to be a knitter or want to be a sock machine mechanic. And, so if anyone's uh, listening to this, then you're in Nottingham. And if they know anyone who wants to work for a family business making yes. socks, they know where then, to apply. Yes, please. So... Um, what percentage now of your business is your own brand and the products that you're doing um, direct selling direct to the consumer versus the contract work that you're doing? It's probably about eighty five percent still contracts. Is it right? Okay. Our own stuff. Uh, we've now. It, it's strange because we've gone as a business. You develop. You develop on things, and when when the kids kept, first came in, you know, it was like oh, we need a marketing person. And me for marketing is just getting out there and meeting people because I'm a contract person by trade. And then you've got to start marketing to 
60 million people in the UK. Well, if I put a secret in a Jack suit on, I don't really meet 60 million people. So it's a different way of actually promoting the company out there. Now so that's been one of the challenges for you, is understanding yes. how to sell direct to the consumer, whereas previously you were behind the scenes as a contract manufacturer. Yes, and, and it's that. And and as much, I mean, the beauty about what we do is, um, one of my way of doing it is I do a lot of Christmas fairs. And after four years of doing Christmas fairs, I now get people that bought socks the previous year. And I must, out of 53 days of doing Christmas fairs, over half of the days, I'd have at least one person come and say, how are you? You're all right. I bought some last year and show me last year's range because they were still wearing, they're still wearing the socks from the previous year, which the nice thing about it is as socks are imported for a price, they aren't quite made the same as you would traditionally. And I use a, a bit to say, it's almost like uh, the nursery rhyme with the three little, three little pigs. And the only sustainable bit out of the three little pigs' houses that they build is the one that was in brick because he used the right materials at the starting point to make his house sustainable. And it's exactly the same pair of socks. If you don't, if you don't use a cotton that is processed correctly and all the fibres are straight in one way and they're all using the, the touching distance to give the strength in the sock, the sock will last. If you just use it and it's just had one quick card, then it goes in a pair of socks so it's cheaper cotton. You know, first wear you're wearing you know leaving black footprints on your carpet because all the fibers are coming out yeah so not all cotton socks are created equal and i think it's th people don't necessarily understand that do they that that there's so many variations in exactly. something as simple as a sock sorry okay the fascinating thing for ourselves is because we do a very bright range of socks they people start to notice that they consistently are still okay to wear when they would normally be throwing their socks away out in the market as it is now. So we're, we've, we're championed the fact that our socks will last, should last a lot longer than anything else in your sock drawer. And it's noticeable because they do tend to last a lot longer than other things in your sock drawer. That is very true because you gave me a pair which I gave to my daughter um, of your socks and she wears them all the time. Do you remember those fluorescent yeah. yellowy green pair which actually is a yeah. vile colour but she <laughs> loves them because they're quite 80s and they have really lasted. Um, you need to get in with all those trampoline places as well because they all sell you socks every time all the kids go there and those socks are rubbish, completely rubbish. And my daughter swears by your ones for going trampolining yeah. in because they stick to the trampoline much better. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> is, is, but they're obviously bought for the trampoline companies buy them, you know, just offshore at a price. Yeah. To sell it for that day. And they're not, not really worried that you come back in the following week time when they sell you another pair, which is fine for what it is. But is it though? Because actually, it's seen as a bit of a status symbol amongst my daughter and her teenage friends as to which trampoline park you've been to, and therefore you've got the kudos of the socks. So they want to wear them afterwards, and they all just fall to bits. So maybe some of them should be a little bit more forward thinking. Yeah, possibly. Because it's a good possibly. marketing tool for them, isn't it? Hey, excellent. Yeah, but and to me, it's the sustainability of getting. We should all be wearing stuff. You know, like we talk about yeah. snowmats and their fast fashion, everything else. It's if the product, you know, fast fashion is one thing and it's not really where it should be going at. It's actually the basic fashion. So it's your, it's a white blouse, it's a white shirt, it's a pair of jeans. You know, it's a jumper that lasts properly. It's a white yeah. t-shirt that lasts properly. And if they aren't using the right material to be sustainable, then you will, 
buy three white T-shirts a year rather than have one in it last 18 months, two years. Exactly. It's that old adage, you buy cheap and you buy twice. Yeah. Yeah. It's I've worth spending more. Somewhere says, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of a low price is forgotten. Oh, I like that. Oh, that's brilliant. What a great quote. It's yeah, so, so true. So true. So it, it's just making things for which should last the life that you think it should last. You know, so yeah, yeah. trampoline socks are one thing, but you know, if somebody goes trampolining three times, if you then go in, like I say, once a week, you'll probably have a different pair of socks because they're not lasting. But if you're only going once or twice, then obviously they're doing the job. And it's like mm. fast fashion. Because it, it, it goes out of fashion, why, why does it need to be wearable for four years if it's cerise pink and that colour's not in next year? But if you've got your ba- start with basic merchandise that is made correctly and also sustainable, and then it's going to last, a white T-shirt should last its duration. Yeah, exactly. Though I disagree on the fashion front because I'm, I'm, you know, I have a wardrobe full of what was very fashionable in the 1970s, and <laughs> but the quality was great. You know, a lot of it is things like St. Michael blouses and stuff like that, and yeah. you know they were worth keeping. Someone kept it, even though it wasn't fashionable to wear that sort of stuff in the 80s and 90s or whatever. But it's what goes around comes around. The problem with all the fashion being produced at the moment is that it's not going to be around as vintage clothing in 30, 40 years' time because the quality is so bad, everyone's chucking it away. But, yeah, because if you remember probably not as far back as myself, but when I started out with the old fella and you've got M&S would send 30 to 40 technologists out of London on a train every Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday visiting factories every week. Yeah, so there's no did. way the factory yep. wasn't actually doing what M&S wanted because you know, the technologists from there and BHS and CNA and everything else would come in. And you know, we were, my dad had a big alarm with BHS and the technolo- sock technologists at BHS knew our packers, knew the knitters. So when he walked around the factory, he'd say, how are you going on? Has that been a good bash? Is that a bad bash? And they'd find out how the work was. Yeah. And that's where M&S, they'd know the work, not just... Now what happens is people have you know, an ethical audit for a factory and it happens once a year. And yeah, the people and don't, they don't visit go back the factory. Again. Yeah, no. So you've had that one visit once a year and then, you know, if somewhere goes off to the Far East to see it, look what happened to see them in the office in Shanghai and actually get out to the factories and actually get a feel for the place in the factories. And that's what's the massive difference is. So it allows the factories to manufacture it to the price that people want them to make to. So how do you think things will change going forward? How do you see Roy Lowe and Sons growing over the next 10 years or so? I mean, the challenge is to ensure that we can tap into that market that is the internet, to tap into yep. get... I mean, the beauty about our finding, we're growing very rapidly on the online presence and we're almost championing with people that buy our socks and our return of purchase of people is is tremendous. It's like two-thirds of people that buy are coming back. And because That's amazing. Become, That's and becoming, fantastic. Yeah, and they're coming champions of Royal O's. You know, so they're saying, actually, these socks are really good. I'll buy these again. I'm not nowhere near the cheapest on the market, but it's a very good value for money product. And people are encouraged by, A, supporting that, and also the, the fact that the socks do what they should do. And... If I'm honest, we're not doing anything that's a big secret. We're making socks like the technologists used to make us do 30, 40 years ago for M&S and BHS. 
And that's yeah. where the secret is. You make them the old-fashioned way with correct materials that's been prote- processed correctly, and then things will last. And then people recognise that, and then over the period, at the end of the life of the product, our name's in the bottom. They realise there's Roy Lowe's, a Roy's Boys pair of socks, drop back on Roy's Boys and buy a new pair. Brilliant. So on that note then, anyone listening to this, where can they grab a pair of your socks from? Uh, anything technical. So if you go skiing, running, walking, hiking, uh, equestrian is on Sockmine, which is sockmine.co.uk, or anything with a quirkiness or eccentric is on roysboysocks.co.uk. Brilliant. Fantastic. Right, Martin, Great. you're an absolute star. I will see you at the show in a few weeks' time Look with your sequin it, Union Jack suit on, I assume. Yeah, I might have a new. I've got a sock one in my cupboard that's I think I might just bring that one out. It's all over socks. Brilliant. Look forward to seeing that. Right. Take care. And uh, love to Rita, the dog. I will do. Yeah, she's in today, actually, as well. I was I was thinking I might hear a little bark in the background. So for anyone no, listening to this... She's well, quite happy. <laughs> <laughs> is she still round, going around the factory then with you? Yes, she does, yes. yes. Brilliant, she love it. Yes. She's still as grumpy as ever. <laughs> Take care. All right, see you soon. Thank you for listening to the Make It British podcast. I make an episode every Tuesday and Friday, plus there's also bonus episodes occasionally. So don't forget to subscribe in your favourite podcast app so that you get notified every time a new episode goes live. And if you enjoyed the show, I would really love it if you left me just a little review on iTunes. The more reviews this podcast receives, the more people will discover it and the more we can spread the word about making in the UK. Thanks once again for listening to the Make It British podcast. Bye bye.